0: Greetings to all my badass Bintouris and fellow dragon nerds. Welcome to the new Kumandra.
1: people of tail talon spine heart and fang thank you for arriving in our sacred land to share in the flavors of our thoughts on the newest release from disney raya and the last dragon i am your depla for tonight megs and joining me are the coolest dragon nerds i know leah joe and Alyssa.
0: i'm i'm giving you the circle thing the, <laughs> yeah. the beautiful sign
1: saluting paying my respects <laughs> Welcome, ladies, and thank you so much for joining me. Please introduce yourselves to our listeners and tell me if you were a dragon spirit, what would your power be? Hey, I'm Leah, um, and I think
2: if I had a magic dragon power, it would definitely be the fog. Mm. I thought that was the coolest power. Um, I know that she's a water dragon and everything, but the fog was definitely really cool. You can just blow fog in people's faces and
1: have a quick getaway, that's for sure. <laughs> and you can so seem fun. super mysterious around whoever you are Oh, yeah. Like. Oh, hell yeah. I'm into that.
2: Oh, hell yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Hello, my name is Jo. Uh, if I were a dragon spirit, I would... Try to squeeze in the answer to any time I'm asked if I could have a power. It's just always um, teleportation. Oh, cool. I just want to get to and from places very quickly. No need for
1: planes. No
2: need for trains or automobiles. Yeah. (laughs) I also feel
3: like um, when I think about them, like you know, jumping on the water droplets and things like that. I think it'd be a really cool way to travel also. Like if I wanted to just experience the feeling of flying or falling, I could just teleport up really high and know that I was going to be safe and okay. So
0: I think that that would be my power.
1: I love that. Hmm. Alyssa, how about you? Um,
0: Hello, my name is Alyssa. And I, I was thinking about this in the same way Joe was, where it's like if someone asked you what superpower do you want, what would you want? And, like, my traditional answer to that is I want to have, like, telekinesis and, like, telepathy. So, like, kind of like Jean Grey. Um, But we all saw how that turned out. (laughs) So um, I also thought of why don't I just, like, face my fear and, like, want to be able to swim like, like Sisu. Like, that would be really cool because I'm terrified of open ocean. So if I was able to swim and, like, not drown and, like, be able to face my fear, maybe that would help me. Um, that would be a cool power. I love that. But I think, I think if, if I had to pick one, that's like totally different out of left field, I would probably pick like give life or, or cure um, others. Because when we were watching the movie yesterday and you know, like, we know what, what happens and we will talk about it. But um, I thought that I was like, Oh my God, what's going to happen? Like, W- w- who's gonna save them? I don't understand. How's it? How's it gonna end? I can't live like this is a <laughs> Disney movie and it's hurting me. And um, I was like, what if I'm there? What if I'm that dragon spirit that can just save the day? So, I think I would choose. What would that be called?
2: Uh,
1: force healing. I was literally just gonna say force healing.
0: <laughs> I would. I would be. I would be the cure, not Ooh.
1: the band,
3: the superpower, uh-huh.
1: but also the band
3: telepathic healing water dragon person <laughs> i would A be the person. scarlet
0: witch i guess
1: <laughs> i love that well i Previously myself <laughs> i myself um I also thought about what's it. your name oh i'm megs i introduced myself i thought uh, <laughs> um yeah i myself also thought of whenever anybody asked me for a superpower what would i be and i always would love to be invisible so oh, yeah i think that would be my special dragon power would be sure invisibility. so i could i don't know if this counts but no mm. i was gonna say i could walk through walls and stuff but that's not necessary. So, so you want <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> to be vintage yeah you want to be one then
3: she
2: wants
1: to be there we go <laughs> <clears throat> There you go, match Well, made. now
2: I have to change my answer because y'all
1: picked. No, but I yeah, i love the That's fog okay, one again. as well. I just didn't want to pick the same thing as you. So. <laughs> well, oh, I
3: I'm don't sorry. know what powers are exclusive to dragons, like I
2: don't either. It was just the powers of Dragons are not real. Pick whatever you want. <laughs> Shut up, <laughs> Alyssa. yes they are. <laughs> How dare you come in here with that oh, kind of negativity? I have them all over my walls. They I'm so sorry. I
0: great. know. I see I see at least 5 behind you right now.
2: Other five behind me? there's got, uh, two
0: on the shelf there's a white one on the left side there's the one on the right side i think it's smog
2: uh no i've got fox from harry potter then wally then agretsuko then zim from the dragon prince and then i don't think you can see that far i can the next three are the dragon how to train your dragons dragons
0: okay so <laughs> my i was other like big dragons it was like side. general five so lots okay. of dragons <laughs> i have
2: lots of dragons and <laughs> i will not be getting Purunga because Purunga is gross
1: <laughs> okay anyways let's get back to the good stuff raya and the last dragon is set in a mythical southeast asian country once known as kumandra where dragons and humans lived harmoniously until one faithful day when the drune arrived to wreak havoc and sink Kumandra into a stone age like no other. One dragon named Sisu used the combined dragon magic to create the Dragon Gem and save the world from the drune, to bring peace and harmony to the world once again, except this was short-lived. The humans coveted the Dragon Gem, fighting raging wars and dividing Kumandra into five regions— Tail, Talon, Spine, Heart, and Fang. Raya is the young princess of Heart, who puts her trust into the wrong person, turning the world to darkness and fear once again. As she journeys across the lands to bring back the last dragon and restore Kumandra and its people, just as her Ba did before her, Raya teams up with a group of misfits from each region and explores the meaning of hope and trust. Now, before we truly dive deep into this new fantasy world of Kumandra, were you ladies excitedly anticipating this film? What was your initial reaction to this new Disney Warrior Princess and her story? I'd love to know
0: um i mean i'm always I'm always looking forward to a Disney movie um coming from a like Disney family. We had like a whole giant like four foot by three foot um Unit that had tons of VHS tapes and like all of it was Disney. Um, I've seen every movie. Mm, I've I've at least seen every movie once. I do I remember every movie? <laughs> no, um, but I I am a huge Disney fan, and my partner Joanne is is a huge Disney nerd. She's like sit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Be proud of that. So
0: we we've we've seen our share of Disney movies. Um, this one looked. Amazing because obviously, like, a f- I'm a I'm a sucker for a female lead, and to see that she was gonna be like really strong and just like badass just from the trailer, I had no idea what it was about, but I was excited for for an adventure that like was was in the making. It was about time, so it's pretty sweet.
2: I think like initially when I saw the very first trailer, I when they didn't introduce the dragon, they just showed young Raya kind of climbing up the stairs in the temple and this cute little like potato bug type creature that ended up being an armadillo type thing. I was like, Oh, that's so cute. Um, my initial thoughts um, were that I saw a lot of similarities um, between the trailer of a new Disney movie and a show that I really like, which we'll touch on later. Um, and... After having watched the movie, I can confirm that there were more similarities between that show and the movie, Um, which I really enjoyed because I love that show. I wasn't originally sure how I was going to feel about it after seeing the first image of the dragon. I was getting Mad My Little Pony vibes. Um, A lot of people can agree with me on that but i will say that i thoroughly enjoyed it i i enjoyed it a lot more than i was anticipating i was going to enjoy it for sure
1: yeah i'd have to agree with you on that the the second they showed the dragon in her like true form of what sisu would look like in the movie um i i i felt a little like uh, did they just morph Elsa into a dragon <laughs> uh the, sort of the vibes that I, I feel like I'm not the only person that got that out in the universe but um yeah I I loved this movie and the the anticipation of waiting for it to come out because this is like the very first animated movie that Disney has ever done from home <laughs> the the mm-hmm. They basically released it saying, we worked on this in our own homes. We hope that it is portraying what you want out of a Disney movie in the same way that we would have done.
3: Which blows my mind. 100%. That's objectively the most impressive part is that they did so much of it out of like their normal workspace and just from you know people recording in their closet just so they have a space that's soundproofed well, like that's insane and that's
1: in- it's so crazy to think about it from an animation standpoint because these movies take like five years to make from the very beginning right. of the concept of the idea to the release date it's like a span of usually five years and that final year is when everything happens all at once and it's like this insane thing where everyone is communicating every day and it's like constant overlap of like ideas and scrapping stuff and creating something new and like a lot of that final animation you see is only created in like the last five months of the production so it's (laughs) it's bonkers to know that all of that or a good good chunk of it was done from home like I bowed down to everybody who worked on that film (laughs)
0: Um, Disney Plus had in the extras area um, of the film, they had like these two little, uh, I guess, like work from home, like interviews or like an insight on how they did re-recordings or um, some animations and things like that. And I was watching it yesterday and I was like, I can't believe that in the last year before the movie comes out, there's so much to do. Like, I understand that it's a movie and it's it's a whole project that you're working on, but the fact that they had to, like, put it all together in the last, like, 10 months before it was supposed to come out blew my mind. And just earlier today, we were watching the special Into the Unknown making of Frozen 2, and they were like, there's only six weeks until the film comes out, and they're, like, still making the animation and they're still like, like sketching down the story. And I was like, well, you are like procrastinating. You decide when the movie comes out. It's, it's crazy to me. And obviously like a pandemic is something that nobody ever thinks would happen. And, and I really, really commend them for that. But I'm just so shocked at the process and how it was so close. Like for frozen specifically, but I can imagine that Raya is the same. It was so close to the, the date that it was supposed to be in theaters. They were like, yeah, we're almost done. It's two months away. Month <laughs> so it's poor time away. management is what you're saying.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's a really good representation of how quickly they pull these movies together. And I would actually love to see, it, it probably would have been impossible for them to do, but I would love to see a Raya version of that Into the Unknown docuseries to see what it was mm-hmm. like oh, in that final year of creating... That. This movie, and then being told, "Well, you're gonna do the rest of it from home." So,
3: <laughs> good mm-hmm. luck. Yeah, crazy. I mean, in that, uh, in that, in those little short clips, they did have them traveling to a bunch of Southeast countries as well. So, I mean, I feel like we're at least blessed to know that they had the opportunity to travel within those beginning portions of being able to do research about the film and kind of gather the info that they needed or the inspiration that they needed for like real life experiences to create the colors and the textures and and everything to have seen it firsthand um, so at least they were able to travel kind of before everything shut down so they can just hope that they use their their memories yeah, to yeah the produce early a great films
1: they did a lot of research trips which is so mm-hmm. cool um mm-hmm. that's
0: one of definitely take a peek at those
3: those are
1: yeah cool. one of one of my favorite parts of the whole movie just on, like, a wide scale, is the landscapes. Like, the fact that these animators were able to create these beautiful landscapes and so many different kinds, like the the bamboo forest of Spine and the, the desert, I don't know, fields of Tail and this, like, water market and talent. Like, it was just, every region was, oh, was so, so different and so mm-hmm. beautiful. And some of it looked real, to be completely honest with you, and it...
2: Something. oh my gosh the water the <laughs> oh my water god the scene, water when they like go down and she's like about to come out of the water again it looks like real water <laughs> it's like crazy. Just, you know
3: yeah we caught ourselves saying that so many times pointing at stuff being like oh my gosh that looks real like that doesn't yeah. look animated the the little like lychee fruit that tuk tuk grabs when they leave to to separate from the group initially <laughs> i was like that i could be in my house like in front of me it looked delicious.
1: Oh, yeah. Even this this I stew agree. that her ba is making, I, I don't know what oh. actually it is, but adding all the little ingredients to that, watching that bowl is just like... And they're
0: like bumping together and like sinking. <sighs> oh, was it was getting... <laughs> so beautiful.
2: <clears throat> Sorry, Alyssa. I was getting mad Kung Fu Panda vibes from that, like when he makes yeah. the yeah. soup. It That's was almost said. exactly the same. <laughs> I, literally I have never said... seen
0: Kung Fu Panda, so... <gasps> oh. It's okay.
3: We're
2: we're working on some movies here.
0: (laughs) The disappointment that I'm getting from
2: the other side of the camera. We can cut that part out. No, it's fine. Nobody has to put any hate on (laughs) it.
3: I literally, when I watched it, I immediately was like, it's if um, Star Wars and Kung Fu Panda had a baby. That's what my my brain (laughs) put
0: together.
1: so amazing. It
0: was beautiful. Speaking of like the landscapes, like, and also Star Wars, um, I immediately also said the same thing. I was like, wow, this is like very Star Wars. Like the stone um, figures and the caves and the sand and stuff like that really looked like, uh, I guess, Tatooine is where mm-hmm. Luke I is from. <laughs> 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 I'm not, I'm no Star Wars buff, so please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but those like titles that were all across the screen, like when it was like talon oh, or yeah. it was like spine, that was mm-hmm. like, oh, it was so beautiful and immediately when we started watching the movie i knew that i was going to feel something for it because immediately the the world just like sucked me right in i was like i want to play a game in this world this looks <laughs> sick imagine. like imagine a world where you play imagine it's not like a disney like a disney movie it's like a like a tomb raider kind of movie or a tomb raider kind of game so it's like maybe like a 16a or 18a or something like that and you play as Raya and you have to like kick ass with your cool whip sword that you've got. And you have to collect all these pieces and I could just see it as a playable story. And it was so beautiful. It reminded me of, um, I don't know if you've seen, what's, what am I thinking of?
1: Fuck. What's What's <laughs> that game that is getting a sequel for... Uh, PlayStation Five. No, <laughs> it reminded me.
0: It reminded me a little bit, maybe less tech heavy, but it reminded me of Horizon Zero Dawn, um, just like the sand and the the like interesting environments that she found herself in, and uh, I just I just couldn't get past the colors, like you said in Talon, it was so unique. Uh, the thing that got me the most. And I can compare it to Toy Story Four. It was the the use of depth in the the film. Um, I found it a lot when she was looking at things that she cared about, um, like when she was looking at. I don't know if it happened when she was looking at um, what's her girlfriend Namari. <laughs> what's her her girlfriend? Girlfriend? <laughs> <laughs> um, We're just gonna sprinkle she, that in Whenever she was there. like looking, <laughs> yeah, right. Whenever she was looking at her dad the like depth was so shallow so he was the only thing in focus and when she was looking at um who else was she looking at fuck i'm so sorry guys (laughs) it's
2: okay it's okay i'm just doing some quick research
0: and when she was looking at sisu sometimes it was like very shallow because it was like this is what i'm focused on this is my goal this is what i care about Uh, And I thought it was very poetic how they used depth of field. It was awesome. It's
1: such a cool thing to do. I am
0: a photographer. Uh, I try my best.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I also thought it was really cool when you're talking about depth of field and like camera angles and what they're focusing on. The like chase sequence of Noi and the Ongis. The baby? Yeah. Noi and the (laughs) Oggies versus Raya and she's chasing them. That one moment where they like change her diaper quickly while they're running. And then she goes into the window (laughs) and is like.
0: And she's got a booty.
1: And then she jumps out. But (laughs) Raya does this like crazy jump twist through that tiny little window. And the way the camera follows her is like how do you do that in an animated movie? That is crazy to like be able to follow her in that format i don't know this movie did some crazy stuff their directing abilities were highlighted to the nth degree in this movie it was gorgeous oh, of course. um so let's talk like initial impressions on the relationships of this movie movie um Alyssa, as you were mentioning <laughs> quickly that the camera focuses on those who raya loves and cares about deeply um what, what kind of relationships do you guys think were, were possibly blossoming in this movie? And they don't have to be, you know, focused on a romantic relationship because I think it's really cool that Disney is branching off from that um, and not focusing on the main storyline being like, oh, well, two people have to fall in love because that doesn't need to be the main theme of Disney movies, right?
2: It was quite refreshing to not have to, you know, have that kind of shoved in your
1: face. Just to enjoy the movie for what it was. You know, Frozen, even though it did have a heterosexual relationship in it, it was the B-line story. It was not the A-storyline. So um, it's nice that they are branching off and not worrying so much about, like, oh, having a perfect kiss at the end. Though maybe we could have used one in this movie. (laughs) 100%.
3: Um, so Alyssa and I, when we were watching it, we saw um Raya and Namari, and they kind of shared a look, and we were immediately like, ah, queer couple, maybe.
0: <laughs> it fully gave off that um, it's, it's the undercut,
3: and honestly, they did. And I, when I was watching it the whole time, I was just focusing on, you know, especially with, with it being um Women's History Women's History Month, <laughs> International um. Women's Month, uh, I love that they're producing all of this um, content with women leads. And I love that both the main character and the antagonist and the like, she's not really the villain, but like the antagonist mom, like they were all just women and they were women running these different portions of the space that they're in.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, but I love that they they, a lot of the times I find that Disney or filmmakers will go completely the opposite. They're like, oh, like in Frozen, oh, I want to rub it in your face that like, ooh, like that's cringy. You can't fall in love with someone you just met and they like push it on you. And I felt genuinely, like like you said, refreshed that it was just people <laughs> existing and, and being people. Um, I love to watch stuff and think about like the Bechdel test. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with that. No. no? The the Bechtel test. test, The Bechtel test. (laughs) Uh, The Bechtel test is basically when you have two women that are talking to each other and they're having a conversation where they're not talking about a man. So if they're talking about something else other than, oh, my boyfriend this or my dad that or whatever, it's always like a focus for women that when they get screen time, they're still talking about men and men's issues. But the Bechtel test says, well, if we have, let's say, two women fighting about like, coming together as a community or saving the world or like, you know, that sort of thing, it completely passes because they're not talking about just strictly love interests. And I love that they made them both like strong and feminine. They weren't like, oh, we're going to just completely go the other route. If she's strong, then she's only strong. Or if she's a woman, then she's only feminine. They gave them kind of a bit of both. Um, And I thought that was so cool. And I would be happy to cosplay as either. Oh, my God. I want want to see that man do it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I can be Namari now
3: that my hair's short.
0: (laughs) And I can be a chunky Raya. Let's do it. No, please, no. One of the things I want
1: to say, too, when you're talking about, like, the way they look and are represented, that they're not just these, like, you know, hourglass, teeny tiny little um, girls. I adore... Namari's character design. She's like a frame, she's strong. It's like not anything you see ever in Disney movies or like female animated movies in general. They're usually very specifically shaped and the fact that she had like a powerful, almost masculine uh frame to her was really really cool and shows off that, you know, women who like to weightlift or work out or are athletically built and they can't do anything about that. That's just their bodies. That is shown, that is represented. So little girls that will grow up in that um, or young children that will grow up with that body type. Um, I think it's really cool that it was shown and she's beautiful. <laughs> Absolutely. On On touching back to the queer possibility of a representation in this movie that we're hoping could possibly be hinted at uh i did come across a interview with kelly kelly marie tran is her name right
3: kelly marie yeah, tran, yeah.
1: i came across an interview uh from vanity fair with kelly marie tran where she states I think if you're a person watching the movie and you see representation in a way that feels real and authentic to you, then it is real and authentic. And I quote, I think I may get in trouble for saying that, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's so yeah, um... she don't care. No, she doesn't care. And she actively she actively fought to play Raya with that in mind. And I think that's really beautiful.
0: That's I'm... that Sorry. Go right ahead. No, Leah, go right ahead.
1: Um, I'm really
2: happy that even though it was just like in a simple interview that she had a chance to voice that, even if it was just like, I don't care, but I'm going to say it because of how underrepresented she was as a character in the last Star Wars film. Um, I know like there were a lot of controversial comments of people saying that they should have um, cast someone that was completely unknown. Like I know that we've talked about this. Um, but I think what's great is that when they did decide to give her the role that she was, she had the role, like she wasn't like a background character, like she was in Star Wars. Like she's being represented as, as, you know, part of the Asian cultured community. Um, I'm not too sure. I don't know what her ethnicity is. Does anybody know what her ethnicity is? She
0: is, I have it written down. Um, she is Vietnamese. She was born in California, but her family's Vietnamese.
2: Is, like, Vietnamese, like, is Vietnam represented in this movie? Did we yes. touch on so, that?
0: Yes. Okay. So, Southeast Asia would include places like Vietnam, Thailand, Laos, Indonesia, Cambodia, Singapore, Malay- uh, Malaysia, and I believe Philippines as well.
2: Okay, okay. um, Yeah, it's just really nice, like, for me personally, and this is just my opinion, you guys might have a different opinion for me, but that it's really nice to see that she's, like, representing a culture that's supposed to be represented in the movie as one of the like one of the parts of um you know either heart or spine i don't know if we had determined that um and that she does not didn't just get cast aside and kind of like put in the background like she did in star wars so um i really appreciate that they gave her a chance to be a main
1: character yeah mm-hmm. i agree
0: i also love her voice she has such yes. a, like, <laughs> sultry voice. She kind of... And I know that, like, Raya is, like, 18 in this movie. So I was like, I have a little crush on Raya. She's, like, <laughs> very confident and, like, very strong. And I like that about her. Yes. She's going to leave me for Raya. <laughs>
2: it's okay. She's a fictional character.
3: <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, I I would definitely love... You know, I, I think that... It, If we also think about it, if that was, if Raya was a little girl and like Namari, they had chosen that character to be a little boy, a hundred percent people would have read into that and been like, ooh, maybe in the next movie, maybe they'll make a sequel. Like, Mm um, Anna and Kristoff, they didn't really have like an immediate emotional connection or a romantic connection right away. They were very much platonic. She was like, I need your help. I think you're gross. And there was never any (laughs) like, oh my God, like, love me. I'm already like you know, in love with Hans and then people were still like, oh, well, maybe like maybe they'll get together. Who knows? And they were just trying their best to create love interest out of something that wasn't there in the first place. Or they were like, oh, well, maybe there's two men and there's two princesses. So maybe we can pair them up and and that'll be the thing. So I don't think it's unfair for like us to look at Namari and Raya and be like, well, maybe there was something there. But, right. you know, under the circumstances, you know, they... Met as children and then they were immediately rivals. So, you know, it's it's it would be weird if all of a sudden they fell in love and they were, you know, romantically interested in each other. Um, but I definitely get uh, get those vibes, and I would love if if this is their way to like segue into seeing how people feel and and if they're comfortable with those type of characters, which I know is trash and they should just be anyway. But um, if they're if they're trying to ease their way into it, I implore Disney to just keep going with it. And then maybe we will get a just straight up queer (laughs) person as a main character in a Disney movie. I
0: I also think that the lack of distinction is totally fine. Mm -hmm. Like being a, like a queer person, I, I appreciate that there was no, like there was no indication whether or not she is or is not. Queer or straight or whatever, in um, a lot of media, like like you talked about, is it? It's called the Bechdel test. Bechdel. Um They, there's always a distinction in 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 some capacity. Like I'm gonna find a nice prince, or like ah, oh, I like this cute guy. He's very mm-hmm. cute. Whatever. Like there's literally nothing that she says. So it's okay for me to like imagine that that would happen. Or um, Megan can imagine if she wants. Maybe she's on on my team where she's like, yeah, get it, Namari. No <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe she's maybe someone who doesn't see that in Raya's future can imagine that too, and that's fine. That just leaves it up for interpretation to the viewer. So it's it's a great way of storytelling because it allows your mind to like think of a story going forward for these characters. Cause I honestly doubt they'll probably make it a, a sequel for this movie. I think it's like a one and done kind of thing. Um, they've created a really interesting world and I would love, like I said, my video game Raya and the million dragons, <laughs> whatever they want to call it. Um, yeah. But I, I think that it's a really interesting way that they told the story, just like put it out to your interpretation. Yeah.
1: It wasn't like laid out brick by brick for us. It was like this open concept of like you think what you want to think right which is super cool
0: did anybody notice the imperfections in the movie i there yeah (laughs) go ahead
1: i have one that i'm not gonna say is an imperfection but
0: oh please be the same one as mine
1: i don't think that it is but (laughs) okay my my little thing that I, I would have changed but this is completely selfish in my own personal opinion um I didn't love the Sisu like vibe all the way um I think the character was really cool I think it was really interesting that she was um like goofy and funny and um you know almost sidekicky even though she was like the thing that was going to be representing saving the world um but I just uh, Aquafina is not my comedy taste and I I just don't have the same sense of humor that she does. So some of her um her acting through the movie just felt like her and it didn't feel like a character in a movie that I could detach the actor from. So that was a little bit distracting for me and sometimes she brought like a more modern sense of humor to the film in certain lines like saying my girl raya and it's like mm, why would you say that you're like an ancient dragon <laughs> i yeah. i don't really get you that. know in
0: school when you work on a project and uh <laughs> everybody does a lot of work i but loved you just, like, it don't... oh my god <laughs> i just thought that was so out of place yeah. like you no. are an ancient dragon there's no school
1: why would you it have that belong. yeah
0: maybe i it, mean there's probably not school but why would you say that
3: Okay. So when I watched it, I made the same connection that I think a lot of other people did, which is that she's very much like the genie from Aladdin. So she's like a blue, mythical, funny, comedic character that helps the main character along the way. And Robin Williams made all sorts of jokes that didn't make any sense or were out of the timeline or the period. So we just were like, oh, we as the viewers understand that and we get it and it makes sense. So... I think that she did the same kind of thing and mm-hmm. I don't know anything about Aquafina. Honestly, I, I haven't watched Crazy Rotations, which I think is the thing she's well known for. Um, but that was like the connection that I had, um, to her. And I thought that she portrayed it really well.
0: It was the nineties. Think- we were young. <clears throat> <90s. laughs>
2: I think to your point, Joanne, what you're saying makes sense about the genie, but I don't know if this is like entirely true, but with all of the references and all of the, um, you know, elemental things that he talked about in the movie. There are like a lot of fan theories that the movie actually takes place in the future. Aladdin, and yeah, not but that's just a theory, right? Timeline. So like, that's my only like disagreement in that aspect. Like, I can like can see how you would compare Sisu to the genie, um, in that way, and that totally makes sense. Well, but, you like, could say I the same
3: thing. That. You could you know. say the same thing about this movie too, right? Like we don't know exactly what time frame it is and it's a fictional universe and a fictional location and and who knows if she made references to stuff that we didn't see. Like we never saw Raya going to school. Maybe she did work on group projects. Like we don't know. Yeah, so true. it's that's it's true. fair for us to make assumptions about things like that, but I just thought that they were so similar that it was hard to not make that connection between the two. Definitely.
1: I I think for again, for me personally, because that her specific sense of humor just doesn't resonate with me. Um, that I I didn't compare. I understand why people would compare the two, but <laughs> I did not. Um, and the fact that like her voice is her voice. Um, this is where I would love to have like a voice actor playing animated characters because oh, really? her voice just sounds like her. So it completely takes me mm-hmm. out of the character, and it's the same with like yeah. Seth Rogen playing Pumbaa or Beyonce playing Nala. Yeah. It's like okay, but all I hear is them, so it doesn't
0: right.
3: Give yeah, me but m- when you watch that, when you watch that initially, like when you were watching The Lion King, were you like, ugh that's Seth Rogen, like that upsets yeah. me? Yes. yes. <laughs> when you were like a kid growing up, that upset oh, you? Well, it no, wasn't Seth him Seth Rogen is
0: in oh. the remake. Beautiful. Oh, sorry. <laughs>
1: In the <laughs> new ones, like
0: I didn't enjoy the new one because of the voice acting. It was beautiful. Mm-hmm. It was extremely well visually
1: gorgeous created,
0: but like having Donald Glover as Simba, I was like, "That's Donald Glover." Okay, then, that's like, because when
3: I heard... the, the live action ones are not good. That's <laughs> exactly that's, <laughs> that's what we're that's, talking about.
1: That's what I mean. <laughs> like, they brought that idea now into this animated movie where a. A voice an actor who is not a voice actor and has one very specific voice and if she can do voice acting, I would love to hear it because all I can sure. hear is her crazy raspy voice just talking. and mm-hmm. it just doesn't like, it just sounds like her. It doesn't sound like a character that I can remove the actor from and just like focus on the character. That's just me though.
0: Um, I think also another thing that I was disappointed in um, was the Underrepresent underrepresentation of actual Southeast Asian actors. So um, to talk about like why they cast Aquafina in this movie, Aquafina is not a Southeast Asian person. Um, she is of Chinese heritage and she was born in New York. So um, instead, having somebody who maybe um is of that ethnicity to play that actor um, might have also Maybe hit a different tone with us. Um, I can't speak to any experience, or um, uh, like I am not of Asian descent, so I cannot speak to that. At this point, like we're not watching Disney movies for the famous voice actors who are in them. So I didn't come to this movie to watch Aquafina or to hear Daniel Day Kim uh, play Benja or whoever. Um, I come to Disney films because I'm drawn to them for their story, for their animation style, for their incredible attention to detail. And I personally, preferably would have loved if this film was like all unknown Southeast Asian actors, maybe given them the chance to audition remotely since all of this was taken and recorded remotely, um, to, to fill these, these roles. Like, for example, one of the choices that I would have made just from my knowledge of, of actors in the industry, instead of Namari being played by Gemma Chan, um, who is of Hong Kong heritage, I would have loved uh, Lana Condor, who was in To All the Boys I Loved Before. Her family is Vietnamese. And um, have you guys seen Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon? no, no. it's an old <laughs> it's an old martial arts movie she was also in crazy rich asians with Aquafina, um michelle yo okay. is um somebody who i would have replaced lucille soong with who is the talent leader so she's a little bit older a little bit wiser um and she's also of malaysian descent mm-hmm. so just a couple places where i could have like seen somebody else it's so funny play these actors and and be true to the 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 it's a little bit closer to the heritage that they're trying to represent
1: absolutely and it's funny that you say lana condor i didn't even think about her but i think she would have been a great sisu there you go like she's
0: animated animated she's fun she can be serious
1: but she can also be serious totally and her voice is not like this voice that's so specific and distinguishing (laughs) that it's like you wouldn't have yeah i don't know I wouldn't have been
0: like I, <laughs> when I'm watching a movie, like you guys said, I don't want to see the actor in my head. When I was watching soul, I wasn't seeing Jamie Foxx. I was seeing the character in front of me. Yeah. Um, I do have one other thing that I want Please. to talk about. That's it's, it's related to casting. It's what Disney does with their cast. So it bothers me. It, it, it's something that like initially bothered me for the, um, the last of us TV show because they cast people who were had already been in HBO content already. Leah's like <laughs> holding her face and just going, oh. <laughs> um so they had cast Pedro Pascal and they they cast Bella Ramsey as there Ellie and I was really annoyed with it. I was like I don't see it. I don't understand it, but like sure. And then I was like they were also cast in Game of Thrones. So I'm like, maybe they have an HBO connection. That's annoying to me. Then I looked at the cast for Raya and I was so angry. (laughs) So, so let's just go through. So Raya (laughs) is played by Kelly Marie Tran. She obviously was Raya. She was from Star Wars, a Disney property. Sisu was played by Aquafina. Aquafina is going to play Scuttle in the Little Mermaid. And she's also in Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Um, I thought that Benja was, or Benja Daniel Day Kim was in Disney movies, but he is not. Gemma Chan is in two Marvel movies. She was in uh, Captain Marvel as Minerva with blue face, um, one of the Kree, and she's also playing Cersei in Eternals. Tong is played by Benedict Wong, who is the none other than Wong in the MCU. <laughs> creative name choices, Very yeah, right. So, so many creative choices. <laughs> Um, let's see. Ross Butler, who you might know from things like 13 Reasons Why or he was only in it for a little bit. Um, he was also in Casey Undercover and Teen Beach Movie, but in this movie he played the leader of the Spine um tribe at the oh, very beginning. Oh, I love him. He's wonderful. He's beautiful and his voice is silky smooth, but he was also in Disney movies. And then I didn't know Sandra Oh played Verana, the Queen of Fang. Mm-hmm. Great voice that she put on. Um, she is also not Southeast Asian descent. Uh, she is a Korean woman born in Canada and she was in the princess diaries and she went got the, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. the queen is coming. <laughs> so she finally made it. She, she finally got to be the queen. I love now, that. Now that's that's, is, that's um, your yes. uh,
1: background reference for Sandra O. Oh, not the, <laughs> <laughs> how many seasons she did of Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> well, we're yeah. talking
0: about Disney. Fair, I fair, love fair. me some Christina Yang. Mm-hmm. But uh, the principal of Mia Thermopolis Rinaldi's high school is is where I draw the <laughs> I <love> line. <laughs> yeah.
2: So basically, what you're saying to me is that your perspective is that Disney said, "Okay, guys, mm-hmm. what Asian voice actors do we know that are all yes. willing to collectively be in this?" A movie? hundred percent. In the
0: most like direct way possible? Yes. I'm very disappointed that Disney was like, "We have these people on our payroll, so we're going to like audition them." Is what I is the only thing that I can think of. We know them, we trust them, they do a great job. Let's just audition them and and see if they're a fit for this movie. And that's not why I watch Disney movies. Maybe that's a great reason to cast them in live action movies. Maybe I don't know, but an animated movie is so much about the animation, the music, the feeling, the story. It's not about the voice actors, and it's it's disappointing to see that they just kind of grouped Asian people as a whole together, rather than giving the Malaysian, Laos, Vietnamese, Filipino actors um, a space to to portray these characters. And I think they did an amazing job because Disney's representation is, is miles ahead of where it was five, 10, 15 years ago, but there's definitely still room for them to grow. And I'm really excited to see how they, how they do that. Definitely.
3: Yeah. I agree with that too. I, that was great. No, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly as well. And we know they can do it because Moana was so amazing and wonderful and people raved about it and nobody knew I'm not, I can't pronounce uh, her uh, name. Oh, nobody knew. Uh, is it Ali? 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 I'm
2: going to look at it. Aulili. It's. <laughs> it's pronounced <Lea. it's,
3: laughs> No, it's um, that, That's <laughs> your name. Um. Nobody knew Uh. Ali Cravalho. Krav, Krav, I think it's Auli Cravalho. Auli. So we know that Disney is capable of doing it. When they cast Auli, they were like this is a person who we obviously don't have a, a pool to pick from for someone who is like Polynesian. So we have to go out and find somebody and have that be as accurate as possible. Cause they don't want to hear about it from everybody else, but they, they picked someone and she was amazing, talented, great singer. She was an awesome voice actress and we were all just like blown away by her performance. And not one person was like, Oh, well, I've never heard of her before, so I'm not watching Moana. Like, how popular is Moana? So they easily could have done that, especially with the train of, like, creating diversity and inclusion in their casting choices. Disney is such a big company, and they have an opportunity and the means to seek out different people. They don't have to keep picking from the same pool of people that they know over and over and over and over again just because they fit... um, a role very minorly like they were like oh we need an asian character what asian people do we know they were literally in southeast asian countries like i said at the beginning doing research they could have conducted like auditions Auditions. and had people remotely record and talk over facetime or whatever
0: like that would have been an option for them and they chose not disney at the time i'm sure you could have been like in 2019 we're gonna fly you to to california for two months and you're gonna a hundred percent. Absolutely. And I think that that
3: is still something that we need to hold large companies accountable for because I don't think it's valid for us to say like, yeah, they're doing better than like the 1920s. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> there's still, there's, it, it is definitely miles forward than it was. And I, I love the progress I do. Um, but I think that we still need to continue to
0: hold them more accountable than we are for stuff like this. Mm-hmm. I mean, they did it with Iman Vellani. They they auditioned Miss Marvel and cast her all online for the new MCU Miss Marvel film, and they did that really well. She's exactly she's from Markham, which hey. is amazing. <laughs> so we got another Canadian Canada. in the MCU, but yeah, they they can do it. And I think that if anyone's gonna do it with the three giant properties that they have—Marvel, Star Wars, and anything Disney Pixar. I think they're going to they're going to make the right decisions.
3: Yeah. And I think I think that this you know as with any company seeing what you can do from home or remotely is going to expand their pool of people that they can interview and and have be not only just, you know, voice actors, but animators and directors and how many more people of color and women and queer people can they introduce to make sure that their content is as diverse as they want it to be because they can't forever make the same type of movie with the same type of characters forever. People don't want to see that. They want to see themselves represented and this is an opportunity for them to take that step
1: another thing that I think is really cool uh when you're talking about how they're they should be changing things up and people don't want to see the same movie over and over again I I really loved uh, from a an art style standpoint um the different art styles that they showed throughout the movie blew Mm -hmm. me away and made me so (laughs) happy because They sort of did the same thing in Moana with um, You're Welcome, where the art style changed a little bit. It was like this sort of paper 2D animation. And I researched a little bit. And in um, Indonesian theater, there is something called Wayang Kulit. (laughs) I'm probably saying that wrong. But uh, Wayang Kulit is a shadow play technique. So... The animation at the beginning of the movie where Raya is explaining the history of Kumandra is representative of this shadow theater that is um, a main form of theater in Indonesia, which I think is really interesting.
3: That's so cool. That was beyond beautiful. That was such a great way to open the movie. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I loved it. I loved it. It brought me in every time they cut to it. I think it was like two or three times at the beginning mm-hmm. it like slurped me back in and i was like okay i'm <laughs> focused this is beautiful <laughs> what are we doing now <laughs> give me those game cut scenes i'm ready yes
1: and then they even did this like almost almost 2d anime-ish style like when um when raya was introducing each uh oh man when raya was introducing Try. each region she would say the people of talon and they're like I don't know, the animation was different. It wasn't like the 3D animation that we mm-hmm. see Disney do all the time. They changed things up, and I thought that was a really cool way to do things. Uh-huh. Like Kung Fu Panda. <gasps>
2: yes!
3: It
0: was like Kung Fu Panda.
1: That's
2: Did what they, I'm saying. That's another similarity.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Leah, you wanted to say something about different tribes and your favorite show. Would you mind elaborating on that?
2: Yeah, so now no, no hate here. Um, I know when the movie was originally announced and teased, there was a lot of hate that Disney was getting and a lot of backlash that Disney was getting for how similar the characters and the cultures and the environments were to Avatar the Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra. And so I did like a little bit of research and there are a lot of articles stating that you shouldn't be comparing these two movies, but I'm not going to compare or these two um, different titles. I'm not going to compare them like in a negative way because I really enjoyed this movie. And I also really enjoy Avatar, the last airbender and legend of Korra. Mm-hmm. They just, this, the fact is that they have a lot of similarities. No spoilers. And, <laughs> and I, <laughs> for Avatar, I'm, I'm only for... on season
0: three of Korra. No spoilers. No, <laughs> I'm not,
2: I'm not going to spoil anything for Korra. Um, if uh, if you listeners out there haven't watched it by now, get on it. Um, Megan, <laughs> take Lewis your headphones off. I know. <laughs> but um, there are a lot. I'm not going to say all of them, but I will say, like, specifically from scenes in the movies that I stopped, like, dead in my tracks and I turned to Dan. I was like, Avatar! Avatar! <laughs> like, every time it happened. So, to start, when Raya does um, start introducing what this movie is going to be about when she does the the introduction. Um, she does mention um, about, like, a 500-year time period. So, like, if we look at... Long uh, ago. Long ago. In the land far away. So, just as, like, the very first example at the beginning of Raya and Last Dragon, the opening words were, Long ago, in the fantasy world of Kumundra... And in Avatar The Last Airbender, the opening words are long ago, the four nations lived together in harmony. So we've got mm-hmm. four nations and five nations mm-hmm. that are all of different cultures, but are basically supposed to be living as one people. So that was like the very first similarity that I noticed. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the most prominent similarity between. Um, the Avatar universe and this movie was that the character design of young Raya was very, very similar to Korra. She mm-hmm. had the same color, very similarly cultured outfit. Um, she had her hair the same. Um, one might assume that she was of the same culture as Korra, even though in the Avatar universe, it's assumed that they are natives in the southern and northern water tribes. Um, but she was like very similar in her appearance to Korra. Um, what else do we have? She's like, I protect the dragon gem. Deal with it. Yeah,
0: basically.
2: <laughs> <laughs> to the avatar. You gotta deal with it.
0: Um, I love that scene. The, so cute.
2: Another similarity that I saw, and, and some people might disagree with me. I didn't see this anywhere, but Tuk Tuk and Appa are like almost Useful. the same... <laughs> Are, yeah. like, almost the same in, like, them being a large creature that you ride. They make very loud, deep sounds. And Al- we got Alan Tudyk making tuk-tuks, doing tuk-tuks voice. <laughs> and we've got Dee Bradley Baker doing the voice of Appa and many other voices in the mm-hmm. show. Um, Just, like, two very popular voice actors and actors in general that are often doing these types of voices. Um, so like that was a, a big similarity for me. We've got um, her ba who is wearing the mask that we also see in after our last airbender as the blue spirit. I'm not going to say who, so <laughs> I don't want to spoil <laughs> it. <again>. Thank you.
0: <laughs> thank you thank that's you. So um, appreciated.
2: And you know, a couple of other things here and there, there's one part in the show where there is a gentleman who lives on a river town who has, goes by two names and has two jobs. And we won't say what those are. And and we also have a child who also is on a boat. He is a captain and he is a chef. And then they go to a river town in the middle of the, in the middle of the river. And it was just like, Everything that was kind of like transpiring throughout the movie was like Avatar, 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 Avatar. And like, I'm not here to criticize it. I was so for it. Like, it was like watching a it was like watching Avatar Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra, the movie. Just
0: And Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> and... Honestly, okay. So <laughs> it's just I, an amalgamation of our favorite things.
3: I started out by saying that I gave it like a 7 out of 10. I was like initially kind of excited for it, but I. I liked it, obviously, but it's not instantly like my new favorite Disney movie, which I know it was for a lot of people. Um, and I think the reason that I felt that way was I felt like it it was just bits and pieces of other stuff that I'd seen already kind of squished together. And it felt very safe. It felt very like, oh, we know that, you know, you're going to have like a cute side character and you're going to have your like main person and then the bad guy. And it, it just, it followed a very safe, storyline and it felt like it almost was like a like a dreamworks film instead of a disney one if you take out like the really good animation and like the, obviously the great things that make disney great if you just look at like the story itself i felt like it could have been like uh, like it had the the feels of like a shrek movie or like a how to train your dragon it was very much like that sort of feel i don't know if you guys are you saying that is a bad thing at all. or not
2: no 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 absolutely
3: not, a- not great movies fantastic movies I'm not disrespecting those at all I just when I think about like a Disney property I felt like it, it towed the line between like really being a Disney movie and being like another property altogether so
1: then I wonder or maybe they're just changing that, what a
0: Disney movie is
3: yeah
1: when you say that like it's didn't feel 100% like a Disney movie but then the basis of it was like there was a cute sidekick and there was a main princess and there was this evil person like if it isn't that the... that was a
3: bad description, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's okay.
1: It was just one of those, like, yeah, but that, that does just Disney qualify... movie. Is? Yeah,
2: it doesn't just qualify as Disney movies. Like, you could say that, and to go back to what I was saying about the similarities between Avatar and uh, Raya, there are like a lot of different like headlines or descriptions that you can give to storylines, and they could mean lots of different things. Like, a guy has to travel um with a sword and a shield to save the princess that could be <gasps> anything that could be zelda that could be the witcher that could be mm-hmm. uh <laughs> skyrim like you don't really know what it is but like it you know it, it doesn't have to necessarily just be classified as a disney movie for there to be a princess a cute sidekick and no of I mean, course, absolutely of course. like and then i, would, I definitely didn't I, explain that correctly. no that's okay <laughs> no but i get what you're saying like i get what you're saying like it didn't even though it had those aspects and those elements it didn't necessarily feel like the same cushy Disney movie we were expecting. And
1: then I would even say as like mm-hmm. a comparison, one of my all time favorite Disney movies ever on this planet is a goofy movie. And it doesn't follow <gasps> any of those <laughs> lines, right? There is no princess. Right. There is no like, I don't know. It, 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 it just doesn't follow those things, at least in the very systemic way that we've been trained to see in Disney movies, I feel. Right
0: yeah Joanne's
1: I, thinking
0: I think what, <laughs> she's like how can yeah. how can another, we make it look like that is it okay if I move on or of no course, no yeah. no no go ahead okay um another critique I've seen across the interwebs which I I really don't agree with is they're like oh this movie pulled a lot into Mulan it pulled a lot into um Aladdin and Jasmine it pulled a lot from from Moana and i'm like why do you think that is explain is it because it's not princesses in a castle is it is it because maybe moana um not moana is it because maybe um, china and southeast asia are next door neighbors to each other yeah like, that's a bit of a stretch the, right like <laughs> a lot of a lot of people were saying like oh Raya's sword is exactly the same sword that mulan's dad gives her or she steals from her dad to go to war. And I'm like, a wavy no. edge sword a, a wavy edged sword is is an Asian thing. Like it's like an Asian You're seeing weapon. representation that's so small, you're looking at a pinhole of representation <laughs> and you're like, yeah, these are all the same. It's like, okay, Cinderella is the same as Frozen, is the same as Sleeping Beauty, is the same as The Little Mermaid. Is the same- like they have different things, but you could you could pinpoint all of these other details about the more western focused movies together and it's like no you're not getting it <laughs>
2: that's true and also um the sword thing it's just a little thing but like his sword turns into that weapon that yes! dastan has from the sands of time so i'm pretty yes. sure that what those two can't. swords are not the same
0: <laughs> <laughs> i thought it was like a hook shot
2: yeah, it's kind of like and that. Prince
0: of Persia: The Sands of Time comes out March eighteenth. The <laughs> uh, story near you, very excited. We're not hinting it. at a new episode or anything. Absolutely not. <clears throat> not Mulan's like new sword, her <laughs> cartoon store cartoon sword. If that's what you guys are looking at, <laughs> are you guys looking at a photo of it?
3: I don't know how to explain what I'm
1: in Wandavision.
3: What I'm saying.
1: Oh, wild. And then I, <laughs> fair, didn't notice. So the final theme I just want to talk about is the entire theme of the movie, which I believe to be, uh, trust. And I think that is a really like current theme in our lives and totally the world that we're living in at this moment. Um, what sort of rang true to you guys when it comes to the theme of trust that was in this movie?
0: They show trust in a lot of different ways. Um, like the scene in Talon where Sisu's like, I'm going shopping and the, <laughs> they're like, um, I'm going to shop on credit. And she goes and she's like, don't worry, it's on credit. Don't worry, I'll come back. It's on credit. And they're like, we don't know you. How do we know you're going to pay it back? And then she's like, I will, I will I'll come back. And then the new Talon leader um, comes up, the old woman, and she's like, oh, I know where this person is. Let me show you. And she's like, okay. She's just like blindly is trusting anybody because she has this like pure energy in her heart. And I think that's really beautiful.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree.
3: I thought it was, like, really strange because she was, like, spouting about how, like, we have to all trust each other and how, like, that's the key to the survival or the longevity of their whole nation. And then, like, if sh- if they had trusted her and they were like, oh, yeah, you'll you'll pay it on credit. She didn't know what that meant. She wasn't going to pay it back. So they would yeah. have put her trust or they would have put their trust in her and she would have broken it because she has no money or funds. And when she went to, like, the old lady, I don't remember her name, when she went to um, the new leader of Talon and she was like, oh, I trust you. That's so nice of you to help me. And then that trust was immediately betrayed. It was like she never, like, let that waver her ability to think that that was truly the, mm-hmm. the solution. And mm-hmm. she knew that that was because she'd, like, seen it firsthand. And she was like, I know that this world is different than what I experienced 500 years ago, but we can get back to that if we start to trust again. But I thought it was just funny, all the representation of like how there is no trust and like how if they, if she, you know, if they had trusted her and let her buy the stuff on credit, they would have never seen that money.
2: Yeah, (laughs) I don't know. Absolutely. I think like the theme is very interesting because like you guys said that The theme of trust isn't something that is usually, like, touched on in any type of movie, like, in any scenario. It's just a very, like, obscure theme. Like, there are lots of other themes that Disney has, like, repeatedly made movies about in the Mm -hmm. past. And trust has never really seemed to be, like, one of them. Minus when Aladdin says, do you trust me? I mean, that's just (laughs) kind of like a line, (laughs) but, you know... And I don't know, I was getting like a lot of mixed messages, like you can't trust anyone, like you can't even trust people who you think are your friends. Mm -hmm. There was like a lot of back and forth, like with Raya trusting that this person that she's just made friends with, she can show her her secret and then she immediately her trust is betrayed. And then later on in the movie, trusts her again to make the right decision. Like for me, that would be really that would be really difficult Mm -hmm. for me. Um, Some of the other things like with the baby in the street, she's like, no distractions, no distractions. And then she trusts that there's this baby in the street all by herself. And then boom, immediately, like it's it's like a facade, like it's not real. So like her trust in her is broken there. And then she ends up trusting her again, with Sisu trusting the chief And just having no doubt in her mind that everyone is going to be happy and everyone is going to be fine if she just trusts, like, I just felt like it was kind of, you know, it was a little bit up and down for me, like at the end, the theme was like, it was heartfelt and it was Mm -hmm. authentic at the end, but there was a little bit of like up and down for me throughout the movie. So I was getting mixed messages there, but it worked out in the end. So that's what matters.
0: Speaking of the baby, did anybody love and live for the line where Rye was like, ugh, I'm never having kids? Yeah. I was like, yes, (laughs) ma'am.
2: Me.
1: I love that. I
0: love that they threw that in there. That's representation, man. Not every fucking woman wants to have kids. I love that, that too,
2: too, because, like, I didn't really think of it in that way. I was like, oh, yeah, me, too, sister. But, like... That is true. Like women who don't want children are very unrepresented mm-hmm. in today's society. Like it's still a thing that we need to work on. And it was just a simple little line, but it was it was quite like empowering. Definitely.
0: <laughs> what was that TikTok that you sent me earlier today? That was like, well, what does what, I guess your husband taught you how to fix a tire? And she's like, <laughs> oh, I'm married and to a man. To a man. <laughs> fun. <all> <laughs> assumptions
3: man (laughs) oh man but yeah i mean i it's it's crazy to think that like it was a very mature ending for raya because when you think about it the last time she saw a parental figure who would have instilled that sort of thing in her was when she was probably about 12 years old so she was immediately taught something and then implemented it right away and then was immediately burned by it Mm -hmm. and then had to figure out all on her own because that's basically what she was she was alone she had to figure out all on her own that you know trust has to be given and there has to be a step forward and she that I thought that was incredibly mature for her to be able to sacrifice that and to Alyssa's point as soon as she handed away her stone I got all this anxiety I was like is she just gonna turn a stone and hope it works for the best what if that doesn't work out like it was a lot of ambiguity (laughs) Yeah. I was like what if she gives her the stone and that's not what it is what if it's not trust what if it is actual dragon magic and she needs a physical dragon and it's what she thought it was initially and now she's just a stone <laughs> forever
2: well then that movie would have a very terrible <laughs> end. I know. The end everyone's stone
3: <laughs> well
2: I we were talking about
3: that as well about how it it doesn't feel like there are a lot of like real life consequences like when Sisu was shot I was like She'll be I back. I think Alyssa shed. Alyssa shed a tiny tear, and I was like, "No, like she's not gonna it's die. A movie. Like <laughs> she's gonna come back." Yep. Yeah. So I know, like, I'm very I know emotional. It. So
0: that's
3: a- okay, oh, I cry also, for everything. Speaking of, does anyone have any theories about why the dragons didn't come back the first time? That's a good question. I think
0: it's because their goal in their life was for humans to trust each other. So. I think because the first time the drone was like attacking everybody and they didn't know how to stop it, um, and they created something that would protect the humans but sacrifice themselves, once the final action was, I'm giving up control and I'm trusting, I'm putting blind faith in somebody that I have had, uh, someone who's my adversary. I'm putting trust in that person. They I guess it's some kind of like mythical spell or something that was released off of the 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 dragons and um, they were brought back to life. I'm not sure. And it wasn't even just the five last dragons. It was like all of the dragons. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And did Sisu come back to life because a dragon healed her? was the power of love because she got shot. She didn't get (laughs) like, she was not stoned. She got murdered by a crossbow
1: arrow to the
3: heart.
0: Exactly. Someone has that, uh,
3: that dragon healing power that you wanted
0: oh my she god, do a, swirly oh my god. <laughs> do a
3: swirly and then she's alive again
0: do a swirly also i was it.
3: assuming that raya was gonna jump into the water and try and like Me rescue too. her they were just like
1: oh no she's gone let's move on with her life but what i really loved in well, that like the moment water started sinking. i really loved in that moment though joanne that she was just like blinded by her rage like yeah, she didn't bad. go oh no i have to save her yeah. it was like I'm furious with this situation yeah. right now and I've absolutely had it. And she just yeah. Yeah. pulls her sword out and marches <laughs> down that hallway and yeah. then the most epic battle happens. I think I Boone was like, fantasy. Raya! Boone was like, Raya,
0: Raya! And Tong was like, she can't see us. She is so blinded oh, by man. her rage. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, that I loved that moment. When they showed her face too and you could see her like, thought process and her eyes moving and just the rage brewing inside of her she's really crazy i've never seen that in an avatar
2: state <laughs>
1: <laughs> i don't know what that means <laughs> that's okay you'll oh, get there well.
0: <laughs> that will you'll be a first there. watch that we've
1: got so now that we have unpacked our thoughts and feelings and questions about this movie i would love to hear what our listeners have to say and what what their questions are so we've got a few We've got a question from Monroe who asks, when you look at sidekick characters like Tuk Tuk that start off just plain cute, but represent a full spectrum of emotion, which adorable Disney sidekick would you say is your favorite? Which would you say is most underrated? Also, which one would you love to see a spin-off story or series made about them?
0: Uh Leah I believe has an answer. Um or she's conflicted. Decide. There's too many. Decide. Oh, so many. no. You must decide. Her, her, both her you hands are decide. on her face. Okay. Even though she made him up you, you must, must decide.
2: decide. <laughs> um this might be biased because Tangled is my favorite oh. Disney movie or my favorite Disney princess movie I should say. Um that Pascal and Maximus like I know they're they're two sidekicks like a lot of movies have the two sidekicks um but but Pascal and Maximus are my absolute favorite sidekicks of all time and it makes me really happy that they did end up making a short about them Mm -hmm. so like the Tangled Ever After that they did it was like oh this is great we'll get to see like um Eugene and Rapunzel's wedding, like, it'll be so cool, there'll be like after party, and the entire thing was about Pascal and, and Maximus, and I absolutely loved that. So I'm, I'm really happy that they ended up making something like that, because you don't see that with, like, a lot of side hicks. Like, of course, we've got the Timon and Pumbaa show, mm-hmm. and that's it. Like, <laughs> you know?
0: <laughs> and they bastardized them with Billy Eichner and, <laughs> oh, God, <I laughs> and Seth Rogen.
2: Ugh. No disrespect,
1: no. but... You know, it could have been someone else.
2: Yeah,
0: Nathan, Megan, what Lane do you is say? Still
1: around. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I also was thinking Pascal because his attitude kills me. in Tangled. he is so funny. Um, but I'm gonna say Pua from Moana. Oh, oh he is the most is very great, little piggy, and he's only in like five minutes of the whole movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he deserves more respect. He is. He's definitely not underrated because everybody loves him, but he just he was underused and they get they didn't give him the spotlight he deserved. So mm-hmm.
2: no, yeah. they gave I'm, it to a chicken. You're right, you're right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> his his original storyline
2: hey, hey. was
3: he was supposed to be on the boat with them, but there was just too much going on, so they were like, you know what, we'll leave him on the shore, mm-hmm. and that's fine. But I agree with that 100%. I think that if he got a little short about his life not being uh, eaten in the village. Like, yeah, <laughs> when they're like, they're all cooking pork and eating it I'm in front of him. And he's them. like, oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> he's so Dress cute. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think that the most, like, I, I guess he's kind of a sidekick. Um, the most underrated for me would be Baymax. Because I think he's so freaking cute, and he's so funny, and he doesn't know what's happening (laughs) at any time. He's like, we jumped out a window. (laughs) Like, good for you, honey.
0: (laughs) 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 Good for you, honey.
3: (laughs) He's like, hairy baby. (laughs) I just think he's so funny, and I think it's, like, all of the, like, trial and error. I know we see a little bit of it... um, when like his brother is making Baymax initially, but I think it'd be cute to see like what his life is going forward now that he is aware of some stuff and not of others still.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Alyssa, how about you?
0: Um I am going to objectively say cuteness and things that made me laugh. So I am gonna go with Miko from Pocahontas.
2: (gasps) Oh Miko.
0: So adorable. Uh, he's mischievous. He likes to steal food. He's a hungry little boy. Uh, <laughs> he's he reminds me of Lincoln, our our <laughs> cat. Yeah. Um, he's just very cute and like comic relief, but also like really loves Pocahontas. And I love it. He's very cute.
1: That's amazing. Yeah. That makes me think of uh, Little Brother from Mul- uh, Mulan. Mm, yeah, the dog. the dog that like nobody knew existed. <laughs> And his He's name is I a brother. lot more
3: prevalent in the second one.
1: Percy, wow. right? Is he?
3: Oh, yeah, I guess he is. Yeah. No, Percy is the dog from Pocahontas. Little brother is the dog from Mulan.
0: Oh, Mulan. Mulan. I thought you said Pocahontas.
2: Yeah. He reminds me. I of actually, actually had-, had a McDonald's uh, toy of him. I don't yes. know if you guys had him yes. too. With the little <laughs> dial on the side and you turn oh it and you God. put him down and he hops and then he does a flip <laughs> and it never worked, but it was still fun to try.
1: <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about.
2: <laughs> yeah. Still have it somewhere at my parents' house. Oh, my
1: God. Along with my Turbo Kid poster. Yes.
0: <laughs> oh, my God.
1: Okay, we have another question. Uh, this question comes from Nate. And he starts off by saying, Hey, dames, love the podcast. Nate, we love you. Okay, so his <laughs> question is, with the movie focusing on these Southeast Asian cultures and with rise appreciation for food, Uh, And how it changes throughout the film with her eating that awful jerky at the start and then she begins to learn to trust people and this is where she finds she shares meals again. So this got Nate thinking and hungry. (laughs) (laughs) What is your favorite meal that you love to share with your friends, family, or even tuk-tuk?
3: I honestly just kept thinking of like pho.
1: (laughs) Joanne, I kid you not, pho was going to be my answer. Yeah. (laughs) And Megan, you and
3: I have gone for pho many a time. So it does bring friends together. It (laughs) does. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. It honestly, like I love all the different things that you can add to it. It's like broth that takes, you know, hours, days to cook sometimes. And it just is. I'm so fascinated by people who can make it. And whenever I'm feeling like I need a good comfort food or I want to go out with friends, it's always my go to first thought of like what we should get to eat.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm right there with you. It's just like, it's warm, it's cozy, and when you're eating it with other people, you all just feel like you're connected by food and it's so cool. I would say that or like my very close second would be sushi. Oh yeah. Yeah. I feel like. Leah, what do you
3: one.
2: think? Um, I shit you not, I was going to say the same thing because Stop it. when <laughs> we often go out together, um every time I've gone out for like uh, dinner or like a lunch date with Lisa, it's been pho. Um, <laughs> the first time that you, me, Nate, and Avery Lee went out after, like, you know, during Christmas, during the holiday hours, like, I even have the, the photo still on my phone was when we went for pho. I don't even remember where that was, but it was somewhere around here. Um, I just, that's like the most memorable thing in my head every time that we've actually gone out somewhere. Like, yes, we've been out for sushi before, but, like, the pho sticks in my head. Because when I'm eating it and I'm, like, slurping up the broth, I just feel so comforted by, like, the steam in my face and the Ooh. heat. And, like, Megan said, it's warm. It's just, a, it's like a comfort food. It's this giant bowl that I'm never able to finish, but it's so comforting. And then I'm, like, really full at the end. Mm-hmm. Alyssa, how about this you? This is our
3: friend group, friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Alyssa, do I you mean, like
2: think,
0: pho, too? I I think... <laughs> I love, uh, I love, uh, I think that my answer is more telling of like who I am as a host, because anytime I have guests over, if we have like a game night or a party, I make a fucking mean chicken dip. Yeah. <laughs> it's a Frank's hot cream, cheesy, green oniony chickeny dip. And it's delicious. Uh, goes well with, uh, assortments of chicken. Uh, if you'd like, uh, chicken strips, uh, if you would like uh, vegetables or maybe <laughs> some a tostido, it it goes quite well. And uh, I miss having people over because I miss mm. cooking for them. So hopefully we can all attest to we this can get being... vaccinated.
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I hope so. She's
2: a
0: very good chef.
2: Yeah, we can all attest oh, to thank this you. being absolutely delicious. So <laughs> oh, thank you. That I was a my close best. second for me too. I was <laughs> gonna say that, and then I was like, oh no, pho Yeah, I, I really like fa, and then. Joanne goes, and Megan goes. Well, it's either going to be chicken dip or pho, and then Alyssa said it, so. Oh,
0: you know. And also, like, I love it because my cousin gave me the recipe. So it's, like, makes me think of her, and it's, like, delicious, and it's warm and yummy. That's cute.
3: I was going to say my favorite food is anything that somebody else cooks for me, and I just get
0: to eat it. I can attest.
3: (laughs) Joe, we are one
1: in the same. It's a true fact. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for your questions. And if anyone else would like to send in a question uh, for any of our future episodes, you can send those in an email to dames at gmail.com or send us a DM on Instagram or Twitter at dames. So thank you, everyone, for joining our fellowship of Droon Butt Kickery on this Southeast Asian adventure through the gorgeous world of Kumandra. We hope you guys enjoyed our thoughts and feelings on this mythical world and super relatable story. Again, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Hello Video Dames, and you can check us out in future episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. Coming next week, a spooky-ooky episode where we talk about the creepiest games we've ever played and why we love them so much. Do you want to play a game?